Welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. This is Brandon, and I am joined by the one and only Mountain Carl. Carl, how's it going, man? It's been a very, very interesting past uh, week after the amazing interview that we did with Amy and Crystal of Lego Masters. Uh, I ended up getting what I assume is a soup can launched at my front windshield of my car. A soup uh, can. I don't know. It, it was it was like circular, right? I mean, like gave it looked like you that like somebody from the Mighty Ducks hit a knuckle puck at it, but <laughs> uh, but no, like from uh, when it comes down to soup can sizes, I think there are like original Campbell's can, and then there's like a Progresso can. You know, uh, this is definitely edging on the size of Progresso can as far as giant crack in my windshield. So I went ahead and, and had that replaced. And then of course, when I went to this place, I was driving away. I was like, something's not right. And, uh, and I got out and put gas in my car and I looked at it. I'm like, Oh yeah. They had flipped the, uh, the arms for my windshield wipers from like driver to passenger side and vice versa. Right. So the wipers are this really weird angle. Anyway, like so I drive back and and have them fix that because ain't nobody got time for that. But uh, wow, yeah, it was it was a very interesting, inter- interesting experience. But you commute as much as as I do, you're bound to get soup cans launched at the front of your car. Well, so, at least it wasn't like a Maxwell House coffee can or something like that. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You got to count your blessings, right? So uh, yeah, let's let's talk about that wonderful interview that we had. Yeah, man. Um, I had the best time over, you know, we, we conducted this interview and, and Amy was so kind to, you know, have us over and, and it was really cool. Uh, you know, the pictures in the slideshow towards the end of the video, because we had a technical mishap, but it all worked out. And, uh, you know, a lot of those were different pieces that Amy had throughout the house. She had all kinds of things set up, um, you know, Lego oriented or related, uh, all throughout and, you know, meeting her awesome dog, Indy was really cool as well. That's right. That dog was uh, just the sweetest thing. Um, there's no question in your mind why they got selected for Lego Masters when you step into that house, right? I mean, like there's yeah. bricks everywhere, so it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. And like Crystal alluded to, like earlier, like they were collectors, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it was a is a really special thing uh, for them to get on there. And uh, and obviously, we'll talk a little bit later about what happened last night. Um, but yeah, it's there is a it's very obvious to me that they have la- made a lasting impression on that entire community. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just uh, the two of us going into the interview, I feel like we did our homework really well and crafted some really great questions and even came up with some awesome questions on the fly, which kudos to you on on some of those questions in the beginning. Uh, I definitely was little nervous going in. I think it was kind of our, our first big interview. And uh, even though I know I've known Amy since I was probably 10 or 11, but um, you know, but these girls are just so down to earth. And, and I'm, the, the most amazing thing was just seeing how uh, you know, the ingenuity of them uh, working together and just sort of the bond that they have, you know, they literally would finish each other's sentences or say something at the exact same time. Like, you know, a lot of people that watch Lego masters think that, why that stuff is scripted, but this is them. Like they're, they're just one of a kind. So, you know, uh, even more so really, I mean like they're, they're like, it's even more them. Like they're 
they are even more present in person. They are, uh, they've got so much personality and they've got so much happening, uh, with, with their entire, uh, just mental state. I mean, like they're, they're just very present and very in the moment and they're ready to seize all of that. And, and you, you get a taste of that in the show, but it, it truly, it truly is incredible, uh, getting to talk to them because they are, I mean, they are truly are accomplished people. Yeah. And the one thing I'm the, I think I've had a problem with, I think a lot of other viewers have had the same problem with, with the show is just how it's edited together. And, yeah. you know, when you think about it you have a team of, you know, what, nine or 10 teams, it's hard to really get everybody's story out there, but I feel like that their story is very important and very, uh, you know, just, just very, it's just something that they really needed to tell. And I know that they had talked about that they had, they had, you know, talked about their mother's passing, you know, around the same age in front of the camera and everything. Um, but it just never made it to the episode. So I really just kind of felt like that this would be a, a really great platform for them to talk about that and what it means to, you know, both of them with their friendship together, what it means for their fathers ra- raising them and, you know, just who they are and, and, and just how it impacted them as well as all the other awesome, cool things that they're doing with STEM and, you know, um, you know, with crystal doing comic book club and, and everything else that they have going for them. So, uh, but they really opened up and we had a really great time. I think we cut, we probably could have kept going another hour or two. I believe that. And, uh, you know, I just had an incredible time too. And, and it's thank you, uh, Amy and crystal for, for all of your, your time that you gave us and really opening up and, and showing us all that incredible information. And, um, that's not the only interview that we plan to do on this platform. We've got plenty more. Uh, some of those include people that we know, people we don't know. So, uh, and it's always going to be interesting. So, uh, please stay tuned for that. Uh, but that's not all right. Somebody that I know is going to the rock and roll hall of fame. That's right. So I, I believe I've kind of talked about this a little bit in the past few episodes, but it's finally confirmed. I, I got a ticket to the Hollywood or not the Hollywood, the edit here, <laughs> uh, to the rock and roll hall of fame ceremony. Uh, it's going to be happening on May 2nd. So I basically have, uh, been able to achieve that because I, I believe like within a few hours, all the tickets sold out and it's kind of a smaller venue where it's happening. It's, it's, uh, there in downtown Cleveland, not too far from the rock and roll hall of fame, um, itself. And so right there in downtown Cleveland, I'm, I'm meeting up actually with a bunch of other friends that I've known for probably over a decade now through this, uh, nine inch nails fan forum and it's called echoing the sound. So a lot of these guys I've, I've known a while and, and it's cool that some of these people I know are, are going who I've never met in person. So that's going to be like a nice little family reunion. And we're already planning, you know, where we're going to go eat and what we're going to go do and, uh, really kind of check out, see what Cleveland has to offer. But, uh, yeah, so I, I was able to get, hotel and everything else figured out. So real excited to be going to that. And I don't know, we'll uh, see what, what all I can capture and share for the show. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah. Dave Matthews, Trent Reznor at all. Just, uh, just a really great roster this year. Uh, I'm really waiting for that, that Dave Matthews, Trent Reznor mashup. Um, uh, they, they were only nominated. They didn't get inducted. 
Oh, they didn't get inducted. Are you kidding no. me? I'll have to Damn edit it. that. No, <laughs> yeah, it's so fine. It, it's Nine Inch Nails, Depeche Mode, and then um, Notorious B.I.G., Whitney Houston, uh, the band T-Rex from the 70s, and then Doobie Brothers. Well, how the hell am I going to get my mashup now? <laughs> well, remember, we already talked about a mashup with uh, uh, Doobie Michael Brothers McDonald. and Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Michael McDonald doing Closer, yeah. That's fine. I, I just I had, a, I had a real real hope that you know <laughs> yeah, was, I, oh well that's fine nah, uh dave, shows what dave kind of lives, research i did for this show <laughs> oh it's all good uh we, we've been busy but yeah dave i mean that was the first time that uh dave's band was nominated so it's pretty hard to get inducted the first time you're nominated a lot of times yeah. like a lot of artists it takes two to five times before they finally get in so I want to fuck you like an animal <laughs> i want to feel you from the inside yeah Good old Dave. All right. So uh, I want to I want to uh, definitely talk about something that I experienced recently. Um, and I went to the most important place that a adolescent child can go to as an adult. Um, the Mecca known as Dave and Buster's. Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, oh shit. No, not, <laughs> not Chuck E. Cheese. Do, do you remember like when when like was there like you know the pizza wars and everything like was there like a, a Chuck E. Cheese like you know kids entertainment wars because back in the nineties there was like Discovery Zone and Monkey Business yeah and dude Chuck E. Cheese like show business how, pizza how much coronavirus do you think we get, get tossed around in the, in the ball, ball pit, pit? yeah oh, pretty good that, I mean just talk about the feces alone tossed around the ball pit but uh, oh my god Discovery Zone was where it's at man. Yeah, I think uh, I think you officially turned me off to those places forever. But that's I always fine. thought I always thought it was misleading uh, with Discovery Zone because I remember the commercials back in the '90s, and I think uh, one time my little sister had a birthday party there. I never did because we we're always out of town during my birthday, and uh, so in the commercial it showed like this little like uh, short circuit looking robot, uh, <laughs> you know, rolling up holding a, a cake with like a sparkler candle and the robots got the little, uh, uh, birthday hat on its head and it rolled up. And I thought that that actually happens. And then when I realized that that doesn't happen, I was like, well, that's bullshit or whatever I thought. At the time, <laughs> whatever you, know? you would think of the time. Yeah. <laughs> We're like just getting off of Rocky is like happy birthday. Polly. Yeah. That's when yeah. I realized what marketing was. Yeah. Yeah, Strong exactly. Marketing. What a, does anybody know why that robot was in Rocky? I mean, does like just of, <sighs> of any, any reason? I think it's just because of the popularity of short circuit. And they were just like, yeah, this is what rich, rich stuck up kids are going to get is, you know, God, that robot was annoying though. I say you take that back. I was Anyways. A up kid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so, so what yeah, happened it, to Dave and Buster's? No, I want to, I want to just make a statement on society. I want to get real deep with Dave and Buster's right now, um, which really sounds sexual. I need to take that back. Some but deep, uh, Dave. deep with Dave and Buster. <laughs> um, no. So the thing the thing that I noticed the most, so you, you and I obviously, uh, you know, just born in the eighties, growing up in the nineties and everything we had the experience, uh, the benefit of actually seeing arcade games that were to become future classics. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important. Um, because we were all playing these games. We were the original hipsters, right? Because we were playing the games before they were cool. Uh, but it was before they were cool again. So, uh, something that I've noticed, you know, things like uh, Galaga 
and uh, you know asteroids and everything like every classic arcade you can think of or arcade game you can think of like joust um, etc the uh, the craziest thing that I realize now is that the nostalgia arcade has taken over for me places like free play uh, that are all around the Metroplex here in Dallas uh, are a huge draw for me because it's the stuff that I grew up with when I was a kid. And so I'm playing, you know, classics now that to me were like state of the art. Right. And uh, now I go to Dave and Buster's uh, I guess, ironically, I'm not really sure why I did that now, but, Looking around at the beer. Because they got beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, not, it's not like I'm dragging a kid around. I mean, like I went to Dave and Buster's to drink. That's not going to go well. <laughs> uh, so, so the crazy thing was that you look around at the current arcade, uh, you know, culture now and everything. And yes, it was very beer filled. But the craziest thing that I've noticed is that it, they're really trying to capture. It's, it's almost like reverse of the pop culture flow that we had growing up when we were growing up art, you know, all the games influenced TV and movies, right. Um, home console versions of those games. Mm-hmm. Now there's not an original freaking game to be found. You know, we walk into this place and the first thing I see is a, a giant halo branded cabinet, right? Uh, I turn around, there's a tomb Raider branded cabinet, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like more derivative stuff off of uh, Space Invaders, which was a fantastic game. I mean, like the actual new one that they had was super fun, but it, it all just really tells me, you know, kind of the direction of the culture now when it comes to arcades and everything, everything that's home theater, everything that's uh, movie and, and home gaming based is now influencing uh you know, the major arcades today and not just that, but they're also, uh, things like the, uh, you know, fruit ninja and, you know, that kind of thing where it's like all the app based games and everything, all the mobile, all the mobile games that is a huge influence now on basically like, you know, walk in arcades. Cause you have your, uh, your cabinets, they're basically exploded like giant versions of, you know, iOS games and Android games and stuff like that. So I find it interesting. I don't find it to be sad. I just find it to be a commentary on kind of where we're at now. Like I I feel like a lot of the people who had invested so much in making cutting edge and really incredible cabinets, you know, for these arcades now are getting pushed out for licensed games for stuff that's already existed. Uh, So you, you you may not get, you know, a a crazy taxi arcade you know, or something like that, which may be a poor example. Let's say time crisis. <laughs> Crazy taxi. Wow. Yeah. I mean, but that arcade, that arcade game, I mean, when it got ported to Dreamcast, uh, yeah. or even vice versa was, was probably one of the, the last, you know, true kind of like arcadey, like, you know, purpose built arcade games. Mm-hmm. And, um, now I think we're like time crisis 11 now or something. Um, they, they just I, keep I lost shit, shitting those games out. Right. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, like, again, it, the influence now is just so much different than when you and I were kids. So I encourage people that are uh, maybe our age or even younger um, that have a tolerance for, you know, not super hyper realistic graphics as an experience. Right. 
to go check out uh, kind of you know retro arcades like free play and things like that because uh, national video game museum has national an entire area museum, yes. full of retro arcades and it's it's awesome like Incredible. they're all in really good condition yeah the, you got to do that um uh in that shout out to, to amy again who's got her uh scholarship through there and then there's also places like cidercade in the Bishop Arts, Arts District in Yeah, in if you Dallas. like cider. Yeah. If you like cider. Boy, you got to like cider. That's I, all you're going to get. I will say at, at Cidercade, because I've been there a couple times, they do have the Die Hard arcade game. And I oh. loved playing that as a kid, and I could never find it again. Because there was, there was one time where... Um, a friend that of was mine Dynamite I, Cop, right? Like, that wasn't that in, like, it was actually Dynamite Cop overseas. Something like that. Yeah. And they, like, kind of changed it around so that it kind yeah. of referenced Die Hard. <laughs> it was just so funny because you, you're playing as, as John McClane, but you're like, it, it's, it's a real interesting game. But, uh, but there's one point where it's kind of like you're, you're loading, I guess, between, uh, maps and you're, you're going up, say, another floor. And it's almost like this cutscene where you're just this blocky John McClane, like, running down the hallway and then all of a sudden this old lady pops out but then she happens to have like a sawed off shotgun and so you have you immediately need to like you know hit right and and kick at the same time and if you don't do it like he ends up getting hurt or whatever but if you do it all of a sudden it shows like in multiple angles where he jumps up and just like kicks this old lady in the head and she does like three backflips you know hell yes hilarious yeah so the people who don't know about this game so Die Hard Arcade um, was actually an import Right. And it started life as what was to be known as Dynamite Cop. But the game cabinet that we got here as Dynamite Cop was actually officially the second in that series. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's already kind of bizarre, right? Because you're playing as John McClane, uh, you know, but kind of like John McClane in name only. And you're, you know, going up. That what uh, you know is ostensibly Nakatomi Plaza, and and doing things something about the president's daughter or something. It doesn't make yeah, any it was sense. something like that. Yeah, but then Dynamite Cop. Well, uh, after you've played this game, right, which I assume was sanitized for American audiences because uh, it is it's bizarre, but it's not like overly so. You play Dynamite Cop, which is the second in that series. Same thing. You look exactly like John McClane doing stuff. And you're like fighting like pirates on skyscrapers and like your mutant crab people busting out of walls. And <laughs> it's it it may be the most bizarre and entertaining game I played when I was a kid. I was so hooked because it had that fun of uh you know, Die Hard Arcade, but it like ramped the insanity up to 11 like you did not know what the hell you're gonna fight next and that was part of the fun right yeah yeah so that was uh that was a great time but that's not that's not the only place that's gonna have arcade games and things like that at least i don't think it is because andretti cart and arcade is actually opening up this weekend in the colony right that's right. So they're having their grand opening on Saturday and I'm already trying to talk about it with some friends and I don't know what you'll be up to, but you know, I, I definitely want to check it out. And of course the grand opening is probably going to be packed, but you know, if we get there early enough, I don't think it'll be as bad. And, um, signing up with the membership, you can get like, there's like 20% off this 15% off that the membership's like 10 bucks for the year. Um, and it was cool. I was kind of doing research on their website today. They actually have a STEM 
program as well. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, they have all kinds of stuff. So the cart track looks very advanced and the carts look really awesome too. But on top of that, they do have a big arcade uh, place. And so kind of to your point where, yeah, you do see a lot of retro games around, you know, I kind of see half and half. I see retro games is still a really big thing, but the other big thing is virtual reality and, yeah. you know, sort of the, uh, the VR headset or either you're sitting in a vehicle and it's a VR thing, or even like the, uh, what is it that, that other reality thing, the, the void that they have at Cinemark right. and Plano. So there's all kinds of different things now that are kind of integrated in. And, and that's definitely, the future of gaming. And, and I kind of was, you know, years ago, like, eh, you know, it's okay. Like the Oculus and it'll, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll get it better, but now it's like really, really good and really awesome. So yeah, it's, but it's nice to have the best of both worlds. And I think that's cool that retro is still there. Kind of like, you know, people that like to stream versus, um, you know, people that like to do both kind of like me with, uh, I can stream music or play, you know, a record. So, uh, but yeah, definitely want to check out Andretti. Um, really excited for this and glad it's do, just down the road from me. Um, do you remember the on rails shooter that was the the Jurassic Park game back in the day where you're just like inside of the, like a Jeep and it was just driving you around and you're shooting at dinosaurs, kind of like House of the Dead kind of thing? Yeah, uh, the arcade. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, no, that... To me, that's like at the time that was like the coolest. I was like, oh, my God, it's like I'm actually there. It's like, no, you know, Mountain Carl, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> you're not actually in a Jeep getting chased Shoot by dinosaurs. Her. Shoot her. Um, is at the void. Do they have any intergalactic sports sports to steal? I don't think so. That's a hard pass on me then. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I probably I probably won't won't go with you. Then. So you you'd rather spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get a sport. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what you have to do. You got to go to that experience where where was that Disney World something? Yeah, it was the yeah. Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we're we're massive spork theft was happening. People, you don't need it. Stop it. <laughs> it's probably still happening. It's probably still happening. There's nothing we can do about it. Speaking yeah. of places that are full of large or full of large people, mm-hmm. um, coronavirus is happening. But before we get there, I just want to point out that Mountain Dog found a dead squirrel. Uh, ah. recently yeah so uh props to him for uh for that sniffer you know going <laughs> going full blast but the the thing obviously i get concerned about is that he you know we get sick right yeah if because he he, tried you, to you, eat you, it. yeah you don't even know like what this squirrel has so um you know if it died of natural causes or if it had the squirrel you know flu or like right uh, the bat soup blues or Corona rabies. or rabies. Yeah. Can squirrels but, get rabies? Uh, I'm sure they can. It's a good question. Hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, uh, the meet the Fockers logic. Like if it has nipples, you can milk it. It's like, <laughs> if it's, if it's an animal, it, you can have rabies. Like, so yeah, by that De Niro, Greg, I have nipples. Can you milk me? <laughs> Maybe yeah. the most awkward movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> But but then that stretches to can all can all mammals get rabies and if that's true then I assume like a whale could get rabies which a rabbit yeah whale, so it's probably just set to cats and dogs yeah that's fine I don't know I mean like I would be maybe pretty, ferrets maybe ferrets I'd be in on seeing a rabid whale let's just put that on record <laughs> right now 
So what's, I mean, let's talk about coronavirus for like two seconds before we have like other stuff to talk about. But can, but I mean, like there was already a tweet by the Surgeon General that was like, please stop buying masks, you idiots. Right. Right. I mean, like, yeah. Um, we're, we're running, we're running out of hand sanitizer. Like we were at Target, you know, and, and somebody goes, hey, do you have any more hand sanitizer? Like we ran out of that two days ago. I'm like, you don't have another shipment coming in or something, you know? Oh, dude, and, it's, Yeah. I, I'm assuming that there is such a market for hand sanitizer and masks that there is like an actual fast and furious type of heist that's happening right now as we speak, where people are driving up to trucks in transit, cutting <laughs> holes in them and extracting hand sanitizer. Well, so, you you probably have that. And then you have the other jackasses online where, um, you know, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel or somebody I was watching the other night and they showed an image, uh, taken from Amazon. People were selling like in bulk, uh, you know, hand sanitizer for like, I think it was like one thing a hand sanitizer was like 99 bucks. And then to get like a pack of 20 or something, it was like $500. Like, it's just, it's so stupid. And, and what it is, how they're getting away with it is they're marking it as a collectible item. <laughs> That's amazing. Just, yeah, so it's it's a sad this, world we live in. It, it's all just you know CNN or Fox News or whatever. Just the media pick in your general. Poison. They, yeah, pick your poison because that's all it is. It's all poison, and you're you're basically just uh, the one without the the sunglasses. So you know you're not able to see that it says obey and you know oh, sleep shit. and you all know that what? stuff. I I didn't expect that they live reference, but boy, am I glad I got one today. Well, that's so, what it is, damn it, because yeah, sleep. I, I'm so tired of the media. Yeah, that's fair. They, uh, we, we will absolutely, we need to, well, we don't need to get on a jag about that. But yeah, the media sensationalizing coronavirus is not helping anything. Please stop it. That's what they do. They start panic and, you know, it's kind of like if aliens do exist. Okay. Now I understand the reasoning as to why the government probably doesn't tell the public that, Hey, yeah, yeah. We got ET in the back and everything. Cause everybody would lose their minds. Just like Heath Ledger said as the Joker in the dark night. Right. So, of- but yeah. So this coronavirus thing, you know, it all came from China, I'm guessing, but it's all spreading around and, and it's, you know, it, the people that have been dying, it's, they, they've had very, they're either old or they have really, really bad underlying health issues. Uh, this is not like the Ebola virus, for example, which has a 50% mortality rate. Um, you know, right. the Ebola virus was, I mean, that was a thing in uh, rainbow six. If you remember reading that novel, yeah. um, it was, it was going to be set up during the Olympics and it was going to mm-hmm. be, uh, sent out into the soccer stadium as like an aerosol form. So people breathe it in. And then when they all leave the Olympics, it's all going to spread over the air just so that uh, eco-terrorist organization can set everything back to zero and live in their biodome. How's that for memory? <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. I haven't read uh, that in two decades. I was going to say it's been a while for me, too. But uh, God, you know, I love I love books that read like Jerry Brockheimer movies. Yeah. And yeah. um which Especially if there's science to it, you know, means that I've got like half a brain cell. But the point is, <laughs> is that I love, yeah. Well, why, why watch a Jerry Bruckheimer movie when you can read a Jerry Bruckheimer movie? Um, <laughs> it was it was fun. It was such a fun book. Um, I recommend anybody who's, uh, if you're into, um, oh good lord, Tom Clancy, that uh, that you should definitely check out that book probably first because it is the easiest foray into Tom Clancy novels because I, it, 
everything else that he's got is just name soup and very d- dense and uh it's i mean it's good but it's it's not as accessible i don't think is that I, I would say uh without remorse is another one which that is being adapted to film right now that's um, right and i'm trying to remember who's playing john clark when that's michael not his b original jordan name. that's right michael b jordan so yeah that should be interesting oh my god did you know that i had a roomba for a little bit no, I didn't know that. And uh, and that Roomba, its name was Tom Clancy's Roomba Six. <laughs> You're welcome. Wow. Yeah. No, that's great. So uh, anyway, um, we can go ahead and, and edit that out. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is really important uh, to everybody. Uh, this is not bullshit like uh, a run on masks and hand sanitizer, but. It is a problem that we have apparently with buying tickets. You were the only successful person to buy tickets to an event between the both of us. In, oh yeah, you know a long time, and that was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you should be commended, Mazel Tov. And then we. Well, I'm ended hoping up, that doesn't get canceled. Oh uh, well, that's actually a really good point. Knocking on wood there. Oh God, that'd be awful. Speaking of coronavirus, guess what else got moved back again? Yeah, Bond Twenty Five. Yeah. Yeah, and you had already bought tickets for the advanced screening for me and, and uh, Mountain Girlfriend and and everything, and and we uh, we got that tweet. I think it was yesterday. that was saying that that they were going to move it back to November. Is that right? Yeah, basically, advanced tickets went on sale uh, Tuesday of this week, so that was March third. And as soon as I saw they went on sale, I went on Cinemark and I'm, I I bought the tickets to the best IMAX screen that you can find in North Texas. It's to scale. It's the one I've I've seen like all the great movies on. So before people shit on us, yes, there is a reason to actually go to Cinemark. So please continue. <laughs> and uh, so got those tickets, and then yeah, it was like the next day on social media. You know, Barbara Piccoli and the other producer uh, basically just put out a statement that, you know, due to careful consideration, they're going to push it back to November 2020. So, you know, as a as a Bond fan that I'm excited to see this film, I know you are, too. It's 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 aggravating. And of course, you know, I was able to get my money back pretty quickly from Cinemark. And so that was great. But uh, that's good. You know, but they definitely they, they pulled all the the early screenings and I was supposed to screen, I believe it was uh, April 6th, April 7th, something like that. And so in the very beginning, when this film was under production uh, and underway, the original schedule release was November, 2019. But as you recall, we even talked about on this show was Daniel Craig ended up uh, breaking his ankle. And uh, so he was out of commission for, I believe it was like five to six weeks. And of course that delayed it. So they had to delay the release date from November, 2019 to April, 2020. And so now here we are again, and now it's pushed to November, 2020, almost basically a full year from the very, very original release. But you know, I totally understand it in terms of what they were looking at. You know, they were they were really really looking at the last couple of weeks and even the last month of the trend of people going out to the the cinemas and and che- checking out all these movies. And obviously, there's been a slump. There's there's been you know a decrease in it. And yeah, a, as we've already previously you know acknowledged. People are going out and they're buying up all the hand sanitizer and the Clorox wipes and going crazy, you know, with everything. So I do believe it is contributing. And thank you very much, media, for 
contributing to that. But, um, you know, obviously a big part of a film in terms of the money that it makes back from the production and everything else. Yeah. The U S has a really good amount of, you know, uh, financial gain that they get from it, but the international regions like China, for example, and, and all these other countries, I mean, they make way more money off these films, uh, yep. you know, going to these theaters. It. Yeah. Compared to the U S so totally understand. It's just, it's just a bummer because I was really looking forward to seeing it one month from now. You know, I know I, the countdown had started literally the day before they released that yeah. that statement, and we were like looking at each other, going, "What the hell?" You know. But anyway, um, just everybody involved in the production of James Bond, please lay off Corona beer. <laughs> I know it's a stupid joke. Seriously, there like wasn't that the highest Google search right after the coronavirus thing really became a big uh, a big issue was uh, was like people were asking can you get a you know can you get sick from corona beer or something yeah can you get sick from that can you get sick from chinese takeout can you get sick from like anything and it's, it's just stupid like well, first of all yes so you can get sick from chinese takeout but it's not because of the coronavirus yeah you well so. you're not going to get the flu from eating food no right which oh man that's a lot of you know what just go to yahoo answers for this shit stop going to the google <laughs> For that, that's where that's where you go. People be like, you know, uh, anyway, I'm not going to, you know, one day we'll actually like do a bit where we read through Yahoo answers, because I think that's actually like a ghost ship. Now people have moved on to other platforms to ask their stuff. So we get the yeah, hottest takes like, from like uh, 2015. Yeah. You got to go there using your browser, Alta Vista, or maybe it's Netscape. One of the two. Net, Netscape would yeah. be a good, a good one. Yeah. I was an Alta that, Vista guy back in the day. Well, of course you were. <laughs> if if we, uh, wow, internet browser Huber guys come to us for everything. So the I thought uh, you would be Mister Mountain Carl because it had mountains in the logo or whatever it was. That's actually that's actually. But good Netscape was, seemed to be performing better. Netscape was like the Firefox back then, kind of. That's true. I was I, I just was hated, just a hated internet just for just a just a budding young hill at that time. I was not. <laughs> I was not a full mountain. Um, which somebody's going to come to me and ask me what the hell that means. And I have no idea. So, <laughs> You're just a budding hill. Uh, I'm going to have to use that as a drop later. That's good. Um, Justin will someone, thank me. No, no one has to, uh, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. So we're officially the podcast of bond and Batman. So what would this week be without cramming Batman news down your throat? And there is a lot of it. Yeah. And so, and sequentially too, this is kind of how I found out about, about everything. So yeah, I think it was yesterday morning, you know, I'm at work and I, I get pinged about the bond thing. And then right after yes. that, all of a sudden, uh, you know, Matt Reeves drops three high quality images of the Batmobile on his Twitter account. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got to go check yeah, this I, out. I was sitting there like all zoned in and like, I'm getting, you know, slack blowing up in my pocket you know, this, this was, that was a good day. That was a good day for me to get information from you because these pictures look awesome. They I do. Think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, too. Okay. I, I didn't want to speak for you obviously, but, uh, but that is, uh, probably one of, it's funny. It's at once the most fresh and least fresh take on the Batmobile in the past, you know, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause it's, for those of for those of you who do not know what the hell we're talking about, so the Batman, right? The Batman, the movie that is coming out soon-ish in a year, right? Um, it is 
drop they're dropping a lot of images for uh batman's costume uh or sorry suit i should say if i say costume some nerd's gonna reach through this microphone and kill me um yeah batman's suit probably you yeah exactly so uh batman's suit uh batman's motorcycle and the batmobile so we're getting all of the the really cool stuff that you had talked about beforehand and uh we sorry you're gonna have to edit that out i got distracted um so we had talked about all of these things before uh, as, as far as you knew they were going to drop and when they were going to drop was the only question, right? They always do this for everything. And uh, the thing that I noticed the most about the Batmobile now, I say the reason I say it's it, I want the most fresh and, and not fresh thing, uh, stalest thing out there is that it's a really fresh take on the Batmobile singularly, Right. If you take into account all Batmobiles thus far, it's a very fresh take. Almost harkens back to the old, you know, Adam West Batman, right? Um, I think it was a Lincoln that they're, I I probably got that wrong. Sure. Anyway, so it does have like a really cool old muscle car vibe, but also Mm -hmm. uh, I was reading about this on Jalopnik. So this is not my, my, you know, idea. This is actually Andrew Collins from Jalopnik talked about how it kind of looked like a, a, you know, a Barracuda and a, uh, and a trophy truck had a baby, mm-hmm. right? It, it has that kind of off-road, uh, like off-road muscle amalgam that was super popular in, in some of the Fast and Furious movies. And so that's right. the thing that I think could be said was derivative. Now they do some pretty cool stuff with this one. Like they have a rear engine, uh, Batmobile. So it's it's almost like a, like a V eight or a V ten. Yeah, with the, the rocket propulsion system right behind exactly. it. You saw that, didn't you? Yeah, pretty hot. And uh, you know, it's just it, it just it looks for for a Hollywood car. It's very old school Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they introduce a lot of flash, but the new school Hollywood in it really tries to keep all that flash grounded as possible. And yeah. Uh, it, you know, very like dark tones and maybe like the old school version, you know, the old school look at Hollywood cars has kind of like a lit, uh, engine bay, right? Uh, it looked like it was like, like a red light in the engine bay and it had, but the new school Hollywood doesn't just have like a blower out the front, you know, it's got, you know, like, like turbos everywhere and, you know, just like this huge ass shiny, you know, like brand new V10 Triton or something, you know, mm-hmm. but no, no, no Triton is new now, but the, uh, it's, it's just, it all looks very functional and very thought out. And, yeah. and that's what I can appreciate about this. And so, yes, people will complain and they already have, that kind of takes on the idea, the, the feel of, uh, some of the older now, I mean, like years or two, but, uh, fast and furious, uh, type of muscle off-road muscle right um and that's that's fair to a point but i don't think that you should harp on that too much yeah uh, i think uh there's there's I, more at play here than just fast and curious right yeah i i believe that and, and just like with everything that's been shown you know and people see images and then they go see the movie and it's like okay this is badass like the first time right. i think people saw the tumbler they thought 
okay, that looks weird. And then when you hear the roar of the tumbler in Batman Begins, and I saw it in that IMAX theater, by the way, which yeah. you just feel the whole theater rumbling. I was like, okay, I want one of those. That's badass. That's still one of my favorite Batmobiles. But something like this, you know, and and I get why people are complaining. And some people thought the, the BVS, Batman v Superman, uh, Batmobile was great, but I didn't because it, it looked like a gigantic tank. It, it did, you know, reminisce a little bit from like Dark Knight Returns because he does have a gigantic tank. And typically Batman does towards the end of his career. But this is a movie that starts off in year two, the second year in his career as what is going to be the greatest detective. You know, um, he's the Dark Knight. He's the, the greatest detective in the world. And so we're going to see a lot of that. So, of course, to get in and out of places, you don't want this really long-esque kind of vehicle or something that's really wide or whatever, something that's going to be real noticeable like a tank. You know, you, you it makes sense that he starts off with something like this and playing something like, you know, Arkham Origins or even Arkham Asylum, um, the Batman games on PC and Xbox and all that stuff. Uh, you know, that, that really kind of, they borrowed the technology of what's in the comics because people that right. are judging it are really judging it compared to the movies and on film, but they're forgetting that the original source of truth is the comics. And there's actually, you know, back in the seventies, Batman did have a car that looked very similar to this one. Of course it right. was blue and all that, but you know, so having it being sleek and, and black and everything, the, the only thing I don't understand, or I guess I can't envision is how's he going to get into the car? Maybe the top opens up. I don't know. That's probably the only way he could probably get in, but with his suit and the, the ears and everything, yeah. Um, but everything seems very tactical, kind of looks a little Mad Max-ish to me. So I really yeah. like it. Um, I think it's got some hidden devices and technology up its sleeves. So I think that's going to be really cool, but I, I can really tell just looking at it, it's going to sound mean and it's oh, going to yeah. sound scary as all hell. Yeah. I, I, I really, I can't wait to see it in motion. Um, I think in, in people laugh at this, right? Oh, that and very, well, and two, yeah. I was also going to say, you know, this takes place the second year, but this is rumored to take place in like 1993, 94. So mm -hmm. this is the era that's taking place in kind of like, you know, a la what uh, Joker did. You know, Joker took place in the early 80s. This takes place in the early 90s. And the way that this was released, I, I really like because, you know, there, there were a lot of these spy photos coming out where people complaining about the ears. Well, you see Batman in this and see what his cow really looks like and with his ears. And, and it looks dead on of what I want it to look like. Um, you could tell the guy, the stunt guy that was on the motorcycle, the ears were kind of thin, you know, and, and, and kind of looked more like ballpoint pins, but right. the cow, the, the actual cow that, uh, Robert Pattinson is going to be wearing looks awesome. And so is the suit. It just looks very practical from the standpoint of this is a guy who's doing everything on his own before he gets involved with Lucius Fox before, you know, that's the kind of the only issue I have at Batman begins because it kind of just like, you know, it just like clicked in a little ramps too quick. Yeah. And it ramps yeah. up. It's like, Oh, we already have the Batmobile that you'll need everything and you don't ever have to make adjustments. And the thing about Batman is he starts off small and makes adjustments to whether it's the suit, the vehicles he has, the cave he has, like he, he really evolves. So I really like the direction that Matt Reeves is going with this of the evolution and just how dark these images look. It makes me, leads me to believe that this is going to be R rated. Yeah. Well, that would be exciting for sure. Um, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. 
No, it's fine. I was going to say the almost very similar thing that you're talking about with the Tumblr. The Christopher Nolan Batman's actually had uh, what I would say is a sliver of pragmatism to keep it, um, you know, grounded. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the the idea that there would be this big R and D division that's hiding somewhere inside of Wayne Enterprises, and that you know, uh, Bruce Wayne just kind of stumbles upon it, kind of, but not really. He always knew about it, and you know, kind of leverages his past to kind of advance things, like you say, clicking in very quickly, um, which is awesome uh, because I do really appreciate that trilogy. But I think that this is if if this whole thing was a big balloon. Right. Like as far as timelines are concerned and you had pragmatism on one side and then you had just uh, batshit bonkers, crazy comic book, you know, like uh, Joel Schumacher stuff on the other side. Um, I'm not Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, sorry. Um, Batman Forever, Batman Robin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, okay. Schumacher. For, yep. first, okay. I'm sorry. But, uh, but yeah, squeezing the balloon on the Schumacher side and really expanding on that that pragmatism side, you know, and going all in. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I, I feel like the, the only thing that I'd be worried about is if they were almost going too grounded, right? Like they really wanted to make this kind of like, a, um, and I, from the comics, you shouldn't be too scared about that. Right. But I, I guess that it depends on what they want to convey and, and how they're going to convey it. So I'm willing to, uh, I'm willing to absolutely go into this with an open mind and expect something that's much truer to early Batman comics and, and really time period specific and well done. Kind of like we have seen with the Joker. Um, I, I don't want them to sacrifice any of the story to prove to people like, you know, just how gritty it is or, you know, that kind of thing. So, well, I don't think that's going to be the problem because there's been a lot of interviews with the cast. Uh, I know Zoe Kravitz was on with some of the late night talk show hosts uh, promoting her show, which I've been watching uh, high fidelity. And mm-hmm. she, she's talked about it. Colin Farrell's talked about it. Um, even Jeffrey Wright talked about it somewhere. I, I read in like a written interview and, or transcribed interview, I should say. And they all just said that this is a very, very special script and this is unlike any other story that they've come across um there's been a lot of rumors that this is definitely going to be you know that that the long halloween one of the the greatest graphic novels of all time for batman um which really goes heavy into detective work and all this stuff and transpires over a year um that that is heavily influencing what this story is um so i'm hoping that's the case because that if you haven't checked out long Halloween, do it. It's, it's amazing. Now's the time to do it, especially for the movie drops, right? Yeah, definitely. But I'm glad that, uh, Matt Reeves decided to do this because with the, you know, the, the stunt guy and the spy photos getting out, like they're going to be filming soon, uh, in Liverpool. And I believe that that's going to involve the Batmobile and, and they're already calling for cast extras and stuff like that in Liverpool that's been put out for the Batman. Um, so I'm glad that they got out ahead of the spy photos and all that stuff. Cause this is how you want to present it. And now we also kind of get a full look at the suit as well. So yeah. I think that that's, that was a really good move that Reeves did. Yeah. You got to control the messaging. That's, that's kind of the, the actual marketing one oh one for these guys. Right. So, yep. Uh, speaking of messaging and uh, what we did last time with our interview, uh, we've got Lego Masters talk. I wanted to briefly touch on this before we kind of skipped along. 
and uh, mentioned that Amy and Crystal have been voted out of the show uh, as of last night. And um, I know this is kind of disjointed throwing it out there, but the fact is that a lot of people uh, that are talking about the show that are commenting about the show right now are criticizing it because of what we had discussed earlier, obviously the editing and the storytelling and things like that. I think Lego's got a great product here uh, because of the diversity of the cast and the great stories that they could tell, but I feel like they're not telling it efficiently enough. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's all from what I read, it's, it's the same. It's a similar format to what they had in the Australian version, which was wildly popular. It was like the most, I always did the, the viewer ratings. It was the, the number one show, whatever over there. And then the UK version as well. But you know, Will Arnett brings a different sort of tone to it. Um, kind of sardonic, I, I guess, but I really enjoy him and he's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, it's hard to get any host that's a hundred percent everybody's cup of tea. Right. So surely. Um, but yeah, it's just the way that they have it. It's, it's tough in terms of editing things down, but two, it's just kind of like what the judges look for. It just seems like they look more for the storytelling aspect than they do the actual build. And I wish that there was a little bit more time taken with, okay, why was, you know, why did crystal name me go with this color scheme as opposed to that color scheme? Or how did they come up with this idea? You know, they don't really go into that. It just shows them in the beginning building something. And then all of a sudden, poof, there it is at the end. And I understand it's a long build, like could be 10 hours, could be 15 hours that, you know, they're building this thing, but, you know, but to have, they, they could, they could show a little bit more highlights, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, it was really sad to see that they got eliminated. Um, I think before the twist came and, and, you know, for all of our listeners out there, if you haven't caught up on it, um, <laughs> sorry, but we're, we're about to go into spoiler territory. We have already kind of spoiled it, I guess. For yeah. You, I but, was going to say kind of, kind of grenaded that, but keep going. Yeah. So, you know, they built up, uh, the cyberpunk city, which was probably one of the best builds they've done so far on the show. Looked um, awesome. I've loved all their builds and, and this, this building was awesome. The color scheme to it, the, the people and some of the alien, you know, creatures that are walking around. Right. Um, just really, really awesome. And then, um, then once the twist came where they thought they were done and put their city back and some of the other cities, you know, other teams had stuff fall apart, you know, now it's kind of like, Oh, now, now your city's getting attacked and now you need to come up with an idea. And so I thought they executed the idea really well. Um, you know, maybe it's not the most easy thing to grasp just looking at it, but you know, it's like, I thought as far as ingenuity goes that in that perspective of their storytelling was, was amazing where there's this, uh, film that's that's per- portraying and and basically it comes through comes alive through the film and now um, you know technology is taking over and you got the robot shooting fire and you got people running away from the robots you know and um, yeah. thought it was really cool but I could tell that you know it's like like what they alluded to in the in their interview everybody's family and that was the hardest thing I think for everybody there. Cause you could see, you could see a lot of people were breaking down crying. Even, even the Brick, judges were crying. Even Brickmaster yeah. Amy, you know, she had a hard time saying it. And so, but just because Amy and Crystal just bring that positivity and just, I, and they talked about too, they didn't show it on the show, but they helped out other teams, you know, yeah. the whole time they were there, even during a the build or even after the build, you know, they would, 
kind of be a life coach to some people. And so, you know, it's, it's awesome. They made that impact, but they were able to see everybody again and did a reunion, um, over in Portland, Oregon for a, uh, I think it was called Bricadia. Um, I should have <laughs> looked at my notes yes. before a show, but they did a panel of a meet and greet and the line was over two hours long and there were just Amazing. all these little, little girls coming up and they were posing with them. And it's just, it was real heartwarming to see. That's excellent. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm sorry to see him go. Uh, that was, that was a very, um, it was a very big deal, obviously. And, and they got, I mean, I, I, I think that the other team probably deserved to go home, except for the fact that they, you know, Crystal and Amy were in the bottom three or bottom two, three times in a row. And, uh, whether you think that's deserved or not, that that's just kind of the, the thing they got. And, uh, and I don't think you can do that. Not in a, not in a show like that. You can't limp along. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think that Legos probably got some messaging to square up. They got some editing to square up and they got to be consistent in their judging. Uh, and if they're not, they need to tell people why. So that's my take on what I have experienced so far. Incredibly fun show to watch. Uh, Wednesday nights is seven, eight central. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's at, uh, eight central, nine Eastern, nine Eastern on Fox. So, yep, that's right. So everybody get a chance, check it out. Uh, even though our, our team is now gone, uh, that would be super fun, but, uh, I well, want to, oh yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I was going to say that, you know, I'm really excited to see what else the two of them do together. Um, they just have a very special bond between each other. And that was evident in our interview. These two are just like anybody else I've met um, in, in terms of just how infectious their positivity is and, you know, their love for, for Lego and, and building. But, but it was a Bricks Cascade. That is the name of uh, ah, yeah. the event. So Bricks Cascade uh, happened in Portland, Oregon. They were there for the meet and greet. Um, should have done my pre-notes before the show. That's fine. Yeah. That's why the internet exists. And that's why everybody is following along on our journey today. Speaking of positivity, guess what was completely devoid of positivity recently? Emily's uh, Dirty Trick. Emily's Dirty Trick. Okay. What is yeah. that? So I was sitting down watch, you know, trying to figure out what to watch, which is half the sport of watching anything a la carte, right? <laughs> That's true. And going through Disney plus, right. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've kind of been neglecting it since the Mandalorian days. And so we're checking out kind of their newer stuff. And this is probably on like minute four of trying to find something, right. The things are starting to drag a little bit. Nobody can really make a decision. Uh, I asked mountain girlfriend, exactly what she what she's looking for and what she wants to watch oh, i don't know uh anything really and except sci-fi except sci-fi <laughs> and then which is hilarious if you know me that's like ridiculous but yeah, then she'll uh, be passed out again does she passed out but no it gets better okay. so i go oh look look sweetie avatar you know oh yeah uh, don't you hate that movie yeah um okay so we're we're looking around and, uh, and she just, just give me the remote. And I said, okay, fine. And she starts looking around like she's going to kind of go up and down and taking a look at some of the different categories and everything. It just goes straight up and clicks on avatar. It's a pretty, pretty mean, pretty bad move. 
Yeah. So cannot endorse. But uh, yeah, she gave me a, she glared straight at me while she did it too. <laughs> so I got to I got to actually enjoy uh, part of Avatar. One day one day we'll we'll do an actual review. But I can tell you, it's just as bad as I remember it. So, uh, God, it, it's just it's not it's not good. I'm yeah. So sorry. Yeah. All, all Avatar people that are out there speaking Navi and running around with blue body paint on. I'm sorry, but uh, I just cannot endorse it. Uh, but one thing we actually did see that I did love recently was on Netflix and it was called love is blind. Talk about an absolute shit show. This is ridiculous. I cannot wait to see the rest of this. It's a, uh, it's a basically a, a, sh- a show kind of like a, it's just a dating show, which is the, that's not the special part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, the special part is it's hosted by Nick Lachey. No, I'm just kidding. That's not special at all. Um, the, the real special part is that you've got, uh, people basically dating by getting stuck in pods and kind of like talking to each other across like, you know, frosted glass. So they don't have no idea what they look like. Right. Okay. So you're supposed to, so it's like the dating experiment. game. Yeah, it is. But, and, but it's also like, uh, you know, they're it's, it, of course they're fostering drama, you know, guys stay in one, you know, part of the place and the girls stay in the other part of the place. And, uh, you know, of course, they like, you know, mix and match and go interview all of each other and, and kind of get to know each other. Oh, everybody's drunk on this show, right? Just like the old Bachelor, you know, like right, before right. they got in trouble, uh, everybody's hammered. And uh, and so they're always they've always got something in their hand, like whether it's like, you know, nine in the morning or it's nine at night, like they're always drinking. So uh, it, it's it's pretty it's been pretty interesting. Like there was some guy that basically proposed on like the very first episode, but right? because I, apparently the end game is that you're proposing to whoever you fall in love with. across so the glass, you said this is on Netflix. It's on Netflix and it's, it's released weekly. The finale just the hell? dropped. Yeah, exactly. Get excited. <sighs> why, so I will, why do I they will, have to copy what ABC and all these others do? I don't know. But because there's no original ideas anymore, except God, for, I will say, as far as an absolute collision course, it, I, I can't look away. Right? Oh, okay. Like, so it's got it's, that Jerry Springer side of it. You got 100%. ghetto people. Um, I don't know about ghetto people uh, per se, but I will say that it is, uh, you know, it's going to be full of drama because they can't mm-hmm. afford it not to be. It's a Netflix reality show. I mean, like how much play is it really going to get? So they got to amp up this drama like immediately. Okay. So, yeah, all of like bad choices, like proposing on the first. You so know, y'all are sucked in now. Yeah, it's happening. It's, okay. I'm fully committed to the show. All right, but we'll uh, for what I wanted to, I will. But I I will mention that uh, I'm kind of treading on ground that's already been. Uh, we've already got been there before, and the reason why is because we've got a sister show. I mean that quite literally, called right. Just Peachy. And uh, it's part of the sensibly loud media umbrella of shows, uh, including the outfielder on the break and us. And uh, if you want to check it out, their most recent episode dropped today. So I would recommend that for any fans out there of shows like The Bachelor and, of course, this Love is Blind show, which I believe they talk about. So um, and if you even want to call in, they love that. I believe our phone number is 972-885-9361. 
Yeah, uh, Just Peachy is one of our top-rated shows on the Sensibly Loud Media Network. I I keep up with it uh, just about every week in terms of its metrics and how it's doing. Uh, and the girls are awesome. Um, I mean, from day one, I I remember day one on radio, Justin and I had to do so many different sort of like test pilot episodes we never released uh, just to kind of get our vibe and get everything going. But the girls like just took off and I, you know, they've been friends a long time and I, they're just able to vibe off each other really well. And the fact that both of them are pregnant right now, they've been kind of talking about that experience. So I think that's really unique to their show as well. Yeah. The, the challenges thereof, and it's, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty wild ride. So, um, I would absolutely recommend, uh, anybody who is interested in us that has other interests other than, you know, entertainment and lifestyle and in pop culture and things like that, go check out some of our other sister and brother shows that are out there. They are fantastic. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of dirty tricks that Mountain Girlfriend performed, you know who doesn't have dirty tricks up their sleeve? Uh, tricks, the rabbit from Tricks. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the most mailed-in thing I've ever seen in my uh, life. All right, yeah, yeah, you're you're done. All right, Audible, Audible has no tricks up its sleeve. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. And no, they won't make you watch Avatar, Mountain Girlfriend. <laughs> I think they have good tricks. You know, they do have good tricks up their sleeve. So they do have good tricks up their sleeve. And in fact, the uh, our using our promo code is one of those beautiful tricks. So do we have a. Uh, do we have time to, to get into movie club or we do. So this is a, a new segment that, well, it's not really new, but we just never threw a name at it. So we're calling it movie club or movie watch club. And, there we go. uh, the last few times, you know, we talked about, they live, uh, I believe we also talked about, um, uh, the, uh, was it the evil dead movie or was it Ash versus yeah, the yeah. evil dead? It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was Ash versus evil dead. And yeah, and uh, so all, all the movies that we love that we make Mountain Girlfriend watch. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So she can fall asleep to them because she hates them. So she fall asleep to all of them. But yeah, no, that's true. Actually, Ash versus Evil Dead. Uh, I'm sorry. God, we keep on saying that. That's the TV show. It's the Army of Darkness is the one that we watch. There you go. Yeah. OK. Brain fart over. Um, yeah, it, we we love these movies right and and we're happy to share our our feelings of on those movies with you uh maybe not on a weekly basis but every single time we have a chance to sit down ourselves and the most recent movie that we watched is one that is so near and dear to my heart what was that brandon that was demolition man yes and uh and what did you notice right off the bat about demolition man who was attached to this movie that we had no idea was attached to this movie was a Joel Silver, a Joel Silver, but I thought you were talking from an acting perspective. I'm sorry, I was not very clear. We can we can edit that out. It's all good. Just say Joel Silver. <laughs> yeah. So Joel Silver, you know, this was in his wheelhouse of production, and you know, obviously with uh, Commando, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. I mean, there's so many different franchises. But Silver has his sort of uh, DNA or, or fingerprint. Um, 
you know, early on. predator. Yeah. Early predator. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it just makes sense that this is in that wheelhouse, but there was a lot of, uh, on the nose type of references to silver throughout. Uh, so obviously, you know, the, the movie takes place in, you know, kind of like a dystopian, what was it? 1996, 97, something. Yeah. Like 96 Los Angeles or, you know, well, originally it's Los Angeles. Uh, and until the events later in the movie cause a massive shift in, uh, in the locale. But, uh, but yeah, it's, um, this, this movie is unique from a, from a nineties action movie perspective. It, it kind of throws the kitchen sink at it, but it's very self-aware, right? And that's, that's yeah. kind of the reason I love it is, uh, a lot of these movies that were, were done in the nineties, uh, they, they could have been, uh, really leaning into the hard edged, you know, gritty sci-fi thing, or they could have gone with the stupid action thing, Mm -hmm. uh, or they could have gone with the cerebral action thing, which was way more rare back in the nineties. But, uh, instead they kind of had a lighthearted fun aspect to an action movie that just happened to be set in a sci-fi universe. Is that fair? Yeah. A little bit of a parody thrown in the, the, the movie that kind of came to mind that it kind of reminded me of, I mean, obviously like lethal weapons got a nice balance of humor, but, but the movie that it reminded me of with a little bit of a sci-fi, I think it was more sci-fi mixed in, but had that same sort of on the nose humor where it wasn't taking itself too seriously, but it was still awesome was fifth element. Yeah. It's a really good point. Um, obviously it was that Luke Besson with the, yeah, French French director has a very French feel to it. If you've seen mm-hmm. any any big budget French films, but uh, but that's a good point. Is it is the reason that Fifth Element works so well uh, is because it's a fun movie absent of any sci fi influences, and the stuff that it does bring in on the sci fi side of things only adds to kind of the uh, like artistic vision of it, right? Right. Um, and then not to mention the fact that it's also one of the least French, you know, French films that I've ever seen because a lot of the self parody involved in some French films borders on this, you know, mm-hmm. the side of just kind of insanity. But, uh, but it had the kind of tongue in cheek awareness that a lot of those movies, uh, from the nineties did obviously that was, I think it was like 98 or nine for, uh, for fifth element. But, um, I'm probably wrong about that. Don't worry about it. But 97. The, uh, 97. But the, the thing about Demolition Man, because it's self-aware, uh, it plays off of all the characters very well. Um, so even Rob Schneider shoehorned himself into this movie. <laughs> of course. Right? At that so it's, time. It's, it's Sandy Bullock, right? And mm-hmm. uh, Sylvester Stallone. Are the, are the two headliners? Up. Yeah, very roided. But also, uh, it's it's one of Wesley Snipes' better roles. Yeah. I think um, it, this is a '90s movie, guys. When you watch it, don't expect you know like some magnum opus from like the mid 2000s, right? This is you know that you got moments where Wesley Snipes is Simon Phoenix is walking around like punching people, and you've got kind of like weird record skip like things in the background. You know, it, it, it's very strange. But anyway, um, the the plot 
centers around uh sorry uh yeah simon phoenix right it was wesley snipes he's he's kind of the big bad in the film and uh of course he has set up uh sylvester stallone in a no-win scenario at the very beginning of the film and he you know sylvester stallone's john spartan which what a name right right I mean, like yeah if i if i have my way my first child would be named john spartan so i'm just gonna go ahead and let mountain girlfriend know about that but uh, it is it's very interesting at the very beginning, they kind of had this back and forth and they kind of get this rapport going. And uh, Wesley Snipes, you know, puts Sylvester Sloan in a position where, uh, you know, he ends up uh, killing a bunch of people. That's not I'm not giving anything away there um, because of that. Uh, both of them end up going to prison. But of course, it's the 90s in a dystopian 90s that that so they can't go to a normal prison. They have to go to a cryo prison. Yeah. Um, And and so I'll leave a little bit of the spoiler stuff out there. But uh, Simon Phoenix, it's woken and 20 something. I don't know, way too close to today's date for me to care. And uh, and he is walking around breaking out of cryo prison on a giant murdering spree in a world that has vastly changed. Uh, I mean, like it, it's, it's almost like the uh, like the Brady bunch version of the world, right? Like things, things are very uh, like happy, joy, joy. And like everything that's bad for you has been outlawed. And, and it's, I mean, how would you describe it? Yeah, I would, I would say that's accurate. And the way that people kind of acted and they just were always kind of like, oh yes. And blah, blah, blah. You know, the way they talk kind of reminded me of uh, the aliens and galaxy quest a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know how they talk, but yeah, it, it's just funny because you know, they're going on the radio and, and what they listen to the radio, they listen to like old, uh, you know, tunes for, you know, advertising tunes for like, whether it's a hot dog place or, or whatever. And they, it's, they it's sing jingles. That. Yeah. Yeah. There it, is it's, no it's Oscar Meyer and, and Jolly Green Giant. It's like they're listening to advertisements yeah. on a loop. It's very it, strange. So it, it's very, it's very much like a dystopian society where kind of, it also reminded me of like equilibrium where in, in equilibrium, you're not supposed to have emotion. You know, you're, you're not allowed to read books. You're not allowed to listen to music. Everything is uniform. And so within that, you know, you can't display any emotion. That's why they always inoculate themselves to not feel. And it, it was very kind of similar to that in a way where it's kind of like you can't cuss, uh, you know, um, intercourse isn't allowed, you know, sexual right. intercourse, just all these things. And Fl so fluid transfer is what yeah, they said. <laughs> yeah. They had to put on these VR headsets, you know, like Stallone and Sandy B. And all of a sudden they're like you know, through VR, they're having sex. And then he's like, you know, no for this. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but the, the funniest thing that I liked about this society is that you can't cuss. And so if you, if you do a cuss word, no matter where you are, it, the, the whole, I don't know, some AI is listening and you just hear, you've been given a ticket, you know, here's your yeah, citation. And it, it, it's like, John Spartan, you've been fined one credit for the verbal morality code. <laughs> yeah, and then the like verbal morality spits code, out. Yeah. It spits out a ticket at you, and then well, uh, when God, Phoenix, there's some funny bits with that. Yeah, Phoenix is going off, and it's just like it just keeps putting it out, and <laughs> it's yeah, hilarious. It's it's amazing. That's it's a bit that really n never gets old, and uh, it's it's used to very very creative effect throughout the movie. Actually, they have a lot of fun with that. Um, it's it's so fun 
to watch uh, watch this kind of like you know hard '90s action, you know the goofiness that that they have, but but to see, to see it in a world that really contributes to that kind of goofiness, yeah, right? And uh, and it doesn't take anything away from it. I mean, if you've got like uh, you know two guys driving through the middle of a town, you know, going a hundred miles an hour, you know, breaking everything. Um, I, for some reason, it just doesn't have the kind of gravity that I feel like this did. But at the same time, it, it brought so much levity to it, like at all the right times where like he crashes and then the whole car fills up with foam and he has to kind of like punch his way out of it. To, yeah, right. Because you know, it's saving his life. It's just, I don't know. It always finds a way to, to bring light to something that would otherwise been like, you know, what the hell is this? You know, like, and it, it doesn't really do a good job asking any of the hard political questions. It kind of glosses over that. Well, it it, has a lot of fun with it. It focuses on the funny things, you know, and that's kind of like where Sandra Bullock, she, you know, she's this cop that she knows that she has so much to bring, but it's like the way that everything's all siloed off and the way that this structure is, which I think we all can relate where, you know, we feel like we have a lot to bring to work, but there's only so many things you can do and you kind of feel like you have these boundaries. So, you know, she's definitely because of the way that things are set up on the, the police force that she's part of, you know, but she still has her own personality where she loves things from the nineties. So obviously, you know, what's going to happen with her and <laughs> Mr. Nineties, uh, you know, Stallone coming in, but in her office, right. she had like a lethal weapon poster and all these different like knickknacks and stuff from like Looney Tunes. It was all popular in the nineties. And so I thought it was kind of like a nice little nod to Joel Silver with the lethal weapon poster. But, uh, the other funny thing was Taco Bell. Like this movie yeah. is the reason why the Taco Bell logo changed to what it still is today with the purple and the blue and the yellow and all that stuff. It's incredible. Uh, so the, the, you know, just like the bit where people are listening to the oldies in the car, right. Um, they uh, they really lean in hard on that for some reason. They don't really explain that so much, but it's just a fun bit. So they just keep going with it. Yeah, and uh, and and so uh, they've got the the main uh, kind of like uh, patriarch of this society, uh, whose last name is Cocteau, which I'll never get over. <laughs> and uh, and he's he's like thanking John Spartan for saving his life. And he's like, I'd like to invite you to dinner. And you're expecting it to be like this really nice, mm-hmm. you know, this really nice place. And uh, and that's what the whole everybody there is expecting that. He's expecting that. The audience is expecting that. And he goes, I'd like you to accompany me to Taco Bell. <laughs> and of course, you know, Sly is like Taco Bell, you know, like that kind of thing. So it... And then like, they make it there. And like the whole time they're in the car, uh, Sandra Bullock is talking to to Sylvester Stallone about like how Taco Bell won the restaurant wars after the big one. And, you know, like, cause they're in like, uh, you know, I can't remember, what but it's, it's, it, it's like got, a like, mixture kind of, of like San Diego and the whole, like the whole Bay, like San everything's Angeles. all, that's yeah, what it was. San yeah. Angeles. Yeah. They just mix yeah, it all together. It, they just mix it all together at this point, uh, because earthquakes or something. And right. Then, yeah. Um, so they went through this and just, uh, it's just so funny. Like when they're all standing around there and they got this, you know, shithead on a piano in the back, you know, playing Jolly Green Giant on it, you know, <laughs> like the, it's just, oh my God. I, I, I love this movie. And with the whole point of the movie is as obviously Simon Phoenix is released in the future. And, uh, 
and and you know John Spartan has to go chase him down. But there's other underlying reasons as to why Simon Phoenix has been released into the future, um, which leads to a lot of discussions with Dennis Leary at some point. Anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it. But uh, the the acting is over the top. The soundtrack is over the top. Um, I I cannot recommend this movie enough to people who passed it up uh, in the '90s. And, and enjoy good action and sci-fi. Um, do you have anything to add to this? Because I really don't want to spoil it for people. I, I, I have a, like a really good soft spot for this movie. No, I mean, those were really the the key observations I had where I was just kind of like, just laughing. Like, what what is this? Because it had been a while since I'd seen it, so I forgot a lot of it. And and I, I think, too, when I saw it, I was way too young. But uh, just the uh, it's just so fascinating like how all this came together at that time and it's almost it almost seems like a movie that shouldn't have even gotten made to be honest oh yeah you know no, that's that's a hundred percent true the only reason it got made was uh because it was it seemed like it was one of those chain reaction things where uh likely like uh sylvester stallone or wesley snipes got attached to it and, and you know or they like you know the the producers went to the other you know, each of them went to their active and be like, Hey, like Wesley Stipe said, he's going to do this movie. You know, Sylvester Sloan's like, why is he doing that movie? You know, that kind of right, thing. So, yeah. um, you know, they, they, it's pretty obvious that they either got tricked into it or like it did a chain reaction thing, but, uh, they ended up like seemingly having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I just, yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about such a weird, like schlock fest that was, you know, nineties demolition man, and uh, I think you should go watch it. So what what would you rate this as far as nostalgia is concerned going back and seeing this again? Is it is it even in the top tier? Like what letter grade would you give this movie? I mean, yeah, if we're talking 90s, early 90s, I mean, I'd, I'd give it a B plus somewhere B plus a minus range. Yeah. Yeah, as 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 very stupid as it is, I yeah. Would, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, I would I would absolutely give it a uh, a B plus. And it just the names that are in this movie, like people who are up and coming and people who are already making it, uh, is is insane. Um, and then you know Wesley Snipes now is doing a, a commercial with Mister Peanut, so I guess we really are you know we've come a long way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, I. Can't recommend them. I recommend this movie enough. Uh, probably watch this movie more than any other movie in my entire life, and that was because my friend had a VHS copy of it, and we watched it in a TV in his super bougie like 1990 suburban. So uh, it was like the road trip movie of choice <laughs> constantly. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I just think it's a movie that's probably never going to get remade because it's just so unique, you know, um, mm-hmm. kind of like they live like, yeah, they could remake it, but why? Cause there's so many special things to it. So it's just, yes. But it's how many, own... how many times have we asked that question? Right. Well, well yeah, why? but, but this, but, but these type movies, they really like were, they really like just kind of made their own way. Like they, they're just so unique that you can't even touch them, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't, can't recommend it enough, but yeah, uh, stay tuned for more episodes. We're definitely going to talk. Uh, we're absolutely going to do more of these movie watch club reviews, uh, with some other fun movies up our sleeve that maybe we haven't seen. Maybe we haven't seen in a while. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get mountain girlfriend to recommend some, 
uh, as long as we can stay awake, right? <laughs> no shit. And then also, uh, I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang needs to be watched in its entirety. Yeah, it does. Because we started Again. that after I think we watched They Live. And um, I don't think we made it all the way because it was too late. So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. one of my favorites. It, that's one of my favorites as well. It'll be uh, it'll make it into uh, the uh, MWC. Yeah. But yeah, man, it's been a while. It's been a, a few weeks since we've done an episode. So this was a lot of fun. We had a lot to talk about and our listeners to uh, digest now that we're clocking in about 80 minutes here. Uh, Good Lord. Yeah. But hey, we had a lot to talk about and cover. So but it was a lot of fun. So uh, thank you as always, Carl. And thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you can catch us at Sensibly Loud. Uh, that'll be on Twitter and on Instagram. And check out our parent company uh, media page on Facebook, which is Sensibly Loud Media. But stay tuned for next week's episode of Sensibly Loud Radio. 